So welcome back to the second ever Decipio Bears podcast, and and they said it wouldn't last. Here we are, back again. Um, joined for the second week in a row by Kyle Morris and Mike Donahue. Welcome, guys. Hey, hey. So hey, here, yeah. <laughs> do we have to talk about them? Yeah, we yeah, do have to apparently. talk about the Bears. That's our job here. <sighs> So we were all ready. We were all excited. This was going to be great. The Bears were opening on Thursday night. They were going to thrash the the uh, the Packers with whatever that offense was that we were going to see. And the Packers' offense turned out to be god-awful. And the Bears were worse. So that was fun. Yeah. Um, at what point in the you know, game were you completely disheartened? <laughs> How oh, long oh, did oh, it take? Oh, 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 Mr. Cotter. Yes, I want to. I want to start with this because I know I have allies only because um, this place, this series stuck with me after the game, and I, I didn't know if I was being a meatball. It was the next morning. I didn't. I kind of. I wasn't on. First of all, let me as a caveat. Let me just say I wasn't on Twitter during the game. I was on a little bit of a delay. My daughter had her first uh, junior high basketball game, and so I had to see that because most of her games are at three thirty. So I, you know, had it on on delay. So I was off, and the reason I bring that up is, you know, I wasn't really in touch with any of the commentary. I know it's you know helpful normally to be on Twitter in real time and kind of collect all of the observations that's, 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 as well as that's your own. not how I would Twitter. No, during a game. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I I was looking at some of yours, uh, Kyle's, but I didn't see it. But somehow, as happens with Twitter, it pops into my timeline the next day, and this is the sequence, uh, the second series. Of the second half, okay. First half, they're not awful. They they have, I think, uh, they get a first down, just one, but they get one in each of their first four possessions. Not very inspiring. They move the ball a little bit, but whatever. It's they're it's a seven three game. They come out in the second half, three and out. Okay, what the hell? Uh, defense gets the ball back, three or four plays, and so the sequence. I think they're around their own twenty. Uh, here we go. Uh, first down. They they have Davis in the backfield. He picks up eight. Second down, they run him again, and he gets about a half yard short. In fact, I, I think it would have been uh, defensible had Nagy actually challenged it, would have gotten him a fresh set of downs. And they're going to third down, and I think you guys know what's next. And it's, you know, it's not even just – here's the thing, and I've learned some things since this happened. I was initially mad at the arrogance of Matt Nagy because <laughs> – because you know you go into this like double wing whatever formation and it's a it's a you know shotgun snap it's third and less than a yard and and then you know it just goes goes to shit. I, I so I'm I'm upset with Nagy, but then there's been a little bit of a twist because in the subsequent days there's talk that a lot of these plays Trubisky has the RPO and so he's kind of making the call. Nagy's trusting him with it. Uh, which is probably more alarming, but that series right there, it, it ate at me after the game because it just, you know, they, they didn't really do anything after that. And it just, you know, they were, uh, they were moving the ball forward and then they got cute right away. So that's my, that's where I really started to despair. You didn't, I'm you, actually going to go ahead. Go ahead, Kyle. By all means. Um, no, I'm going to actually agree with you. It was that exact series. And going back to the, the RPO issue, there's there's two issues going on with that RPO. The first one, as Nagy – and I'll give Nagy credit. That's the first time I think I have ever heard him publicly imply that Mitch is stupid, which is Um, Because he's never done it before. That was the first time when he was like, look, you guys got to give me a break on this run-pass ratio because a lot of those were supposed to be runs. I'm going to take a little bit of that credit that I just gave him back, though. Because Durkin, for the athletic, pointed out something in his yeah, film review that, that I had started to notice during the game. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, so did Mike Pettin. Whenever they're about to run that RPO, the formation, every fucking time, they have the trips wide receivers to one side, and they have the back and shotgun on the other side of the quarterback. And whenever they line up like that, the, the running back to Mitch is left or his right, and the wide receivers to the other side. Mm-hmm. It's going to be that that RPO. So Petten noticed that starting, you know, around halftime. And every time they tried to run it in the in the the second half, the safety was blitzing Mitch. So Mitch did Mitch really didn't have a choice that was going to be the right one on that play because 
I mean, he could maybe have handed it off to the back and hope that it didn't get stuffed, but there's already a defensive bend whose who's, who's assignment is the running back. And then when Mitch goes to make the decision on whether to, to keep it himself and throw it or to, you know, to, to go with right. the wide receiver on the or on that little shovel toss, both of them are already covered. So it, it's all well, it was an RPO. Neither none of the options were good in that situation in light of yeah. Uh, I mean, it, what, what the RPO, the RPO is a great play if if they're not expecting it and if you run it out of enough formation that you know you can keep them off their toes. But I mean, there's only one route on the pass. There's there's only one handoff, and you know the the guy running the shovel route is going to be running the same route every time. So the, when the defense knows it's coming they can cover all three options pretty quickly. So he's going to need to fix that. Nate Nagy is he, he's getting entirely too predictable with his formations. Um, Cause he has another one that he does where anytime you see the, the second running back or, or whoever the tailback is supposed to be in that situation or that the, the motion guy is, if he motions from left to right and then settles in the backfield, they're going to run up the middle for no fucking game. It's every time. <laughs> it's every time I have never seen him motion that guy and do something else with it. So I don't know. I, I, if you were to ask me who I was most disappointed in, in that game, it'd be Trubisky. Cause he showed that he had made no development whatsoever over the off season. But if you were to ask me who I think is most to blame for the offense in that game, I wouldn't put it on Mitch. I'd put it on Nagy because his, his play calling was a bit more. So, so you're saying it would be it would be a problem if this week they get to third and half a yard, and they bring in the punt returner to be the only back, and they try to run an RPO. But that's something we should look at as maybe not a great idea. It's it's not it's not ideal. Although to be honest, when he handed it, the one where they handed it to the Patterson up the gut was a less offensive call to me than the RPO because handing it to Patterson up the gut, he's actually a pretty big dude. Uh, and that play wasn't going to go anywhere, yeah. even if they had mine. Well, right? and, and that's how Belichick used him a lot last year. He basically turned yeah, him into the short yardage back for the Pats. So that's why I'm sure they did that. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, that play got blown up immediately because Daniel and Long, they had a rough night all night. But that play especially, there was no hope, even if Montgomery was in there. The second, third, and one just – just give the ball to Montgomery. Just line up in the goddamn yeah. eye and give the ball to Montgomery. The first person didn't bring him down all night, no. and that was what he was looking for at Iowa State. He, if you're just get, trying to get third inches, you have no better back than that kid that, that never goes down on the first contact. Well, and then afterwards, they he laments that they only let him touch the ball six times. I would think that the guy who can change that yeah. is the coach. If only. And the other problem I have is... Um, and I'll probably beat this horse a lot this year. There is, um, I'm make a little inside joke about our, our old friend, Frank. Um, you do not actually have to run to set up the play. Get out. <laughs> um, there's like three people who are going to get that reference. And I hope all of them enjoy it. But, <laughs> that would be forklift for all you kids out there. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. you ever the hockey night podcast, God have mercy on you. If you did, that's our friend for <laughs> They have done study after study after study. There is no correlation between the number of rushing attempts you have or even the success you have rushing the ball and how successful play-action passes are. Play-action passes are the most effective play regardless of whether you can run the ball or not. And I counted two. Two all night. When you know you have a quarterback who struggles when his first read isn't there, when you know you have a quarterback who struggles to identify coverages, you're not running play action to give him that extra half second just to make the defense, to make the linebackers and the safeties commit. They're not even trying. it. So if you're not going to run more than 12 times a game, you need to at least run play action on maybe 50% of those pass attempts. And they, they did two. Yeah. The, the only time, the only time it's not worth it to run play action is when it's a down and distance that the defense just either doesn't care if you run it or had, just doesn't believe that you're actually going to run it. If you're third and 12 and you waste time right. faking the handoff, that's ridiculous. But if it's, you know, if it's third and four, then that's a yeah. then run it. It's an effective play. So people, yeah, you're right. People who say, you know, you know, we haven't been able to run the ball all game. Why are they still faking to the back? You know, 
defenses love to stuff guys, and if they've been stuffing you all day, <clears throat> they'll get all excited about trying to do it again. So I think uh, my biggest, well, the thing that scared me the most about game one was, I don't know, I, I, I equated two things. The, when they had uh, fourth and ten and could have kicked a 50-yard field goal and eschewed the attempt because they weren't at Eddie Pinero's magic number, I immediately got the same feeling I got at times in the um, preseason that the only reason they weren't trying to kick it was Nagy was afraid he would miss it and he'd have another kicking mess on his hands and he just didn't want to. I got the same feeling as we watched Mitch. It looked like he didn't do anything all summer. Um, wonder if the reason he didn't play a snap in the preseason wasn't not just to keep him healthy, but to hide him from the media seeing what he was, that he actually wasn't. Pre- Fine. So what do you guys think of that? Recording. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was the moment when I, I really started to worry that the narrative that the double doink broke Nagy's brain. Oh boy, so soon. He, he really, I was just saying, he, this is the only really Mark Tressman thing about him is that you can really, you can really see the gears grind sometimes when he is clearly visualizing the worst case scenario and, and out th- and overthinking everything just to, to avoid that. Just to avoid it. Yeah. Cause Nagy kicked, or not Nagy, Trustman kicked that, that field goal on second down. In which you and I were both in attendance in the last Bears game in the history of that stupid Metrodome. That fucking, yeah. You know, I'm still mad about that fucking game because when he, as he, as they lined up for that kick on second down, I was going, this is horrible. No, don't do this. Well, and, you know, and this. I'm sorry, and I'm sorry for the digression, but I think to some extent it's probably expected of us. But if you recall that freaking game, and Andy, I'm sure you recall it because the Bears would have made the playoffs yes. that year, might not oh, have yes. done much. Trustman off to a great start, goes back to his home state of Minnesota and completely. But they there were like six points in that game where the Bears could have just ended it. You know, they had that interception in the end zone, and he runs it back to the – I remember the player. He goes back to the 15th. Shea McClellan doesn't even pick up the one blocker that would have made it a 100-yard touchdown, and they stall. And they're just like five different points. The, the, the second down field goal attempt only clinched it. So that's pretty awesome that we could li- relive that memory. Yeah, it was – well, as he's lining up on second down, I'm standing. I'm standing there going, "This is this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea." And 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 I said it was because I'm like, if it weren't for the fact that 45 to 49 yards was the area where Robbie Gold was the least accurate, he he was dead on from under 45, and he and was dead 50. on from over 50. Yeah. But for some reason, that was his weakest range. And I was saying, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. My wife's standing right next to me. She's going, calm down. Yeah. Calm down. Yeah. Yeah. Just 47 good, yards. Good times. Well, and where do we think – So so what's the what's the analog then? Yeah, what is well, – I was uh, going to say, where is... do we think the magic number for Eddie Pinheiro was? I, mean, I don't the, – the, the only thing the kid's got going for him is he's got a fucking That's boat. That's exactly what I thought. I thought, shit, a 50-yard field goal, that's no risk because yeah, – you know, yeah, I mean, it, at that point, it's basically if, a punt. Yeah, if he if he misses it, well, shit, it was a fifty yard field goal, and if he makes it, that's even better. Now he's got even more confidence. But that right. I I really think, as well, dumb I mean, as it sounds, I think that shanked extra point in the fourth preseason game, it spooky. is is taken up residence inside Nagy's ah, shaved head. It's great. I've never seen a, I've never seen a coach who talks more about you know just moving on and being yourself and is so utterly incapable of doing that. He can't, he cannot get over the fact that the worst kicker in the NFL last year missed a field goal that would have won a playoff game. It was, I mean, that was a coin flip because of it was Cody Parkey. I mean, that was not that shocking. Yes. It was extra traumatic because he managed to hit the, he managed to hit the the, uh, goalpost and the crossbar, but shit, we all, I was especially when he made the one when he got iced. I thought, well, yeah, there's no yeah. way he makes heart, two of these now. So, uh, I had a bad feeling. Uh, yeah, I had a bad feeling. But yeah, I mean, just it's in general, bad. just in general in that game, it Nagy felt like. I, I mean, I'm sure he went into that game with a game plan, but it seemed like 
Green Bay's, they didn't expect Green Bay's front to be as good as they were defensively. They overwhelmed the Bears' offensive line early, and I don't think he, he ever responded at that point. He didn't really adjust. It was like he was playing Madden. He was just dialing up a random assortment of plays that had worked in the past, but there was no coherent plan. I, I couldn't tell what it was on Green Bay's defense he thought he was trying to attack. Um, you know, because I could tell with Aaron Rodgers – on offense, you can always tell when he's identified the weak link of your defense that he goes after. On that one drive before the touchdown, yeah, he saw that Deion, he saw that Dion Bush was in its safety instead of instead of haha, and he immediately put them in the no huddle so the Bears couldn't substitute. And he he just fucking went after him. The deep ball was picking on Dion Bush. When he sees that weak link, he goes after it. And I just there wasn't a single play all night long with Nagy where I thought he had any idea how Green Bay was going to react to that play. He was just dialing up plays that, that I think he liked or that they, they practiced well with, but there was no coherent game plan. And it, that's, that is the difference between him and Andy Reid and Doug Peterson is, you know, it's all the same scheme, yep. but I think he's just, he's just a much worse play caller than those guys. He has no sense of rhythm or, or the punch counter punch. You know, if, if his game plan works, and sometimes he's drawn up some really good ones. I mean, there was the you know the Tampa game last year, and I thought um, the way he exploited Detroit with the no huddle in the the home game against the Lions last year. I mean, I there have been some games where I thought he had really good game plans, but if if that doesn't work, I don't really know that he adjusts to that. I think the Madden, I think the Madden comparison is perfect because it's like he just started mashing buttons. He got frustrated, and he's just you know, randomly picking things. And he, it, it reminded me, it, it was like watching Dowell Loggins call plays again. It was just a series of plays that didn't seem to play off each other or relate to each other. And I, I, I'm sure he's searching for something that would work. And then maybe if, if something had actually worked, he would have tried to have, you know, gone to a series of plays that well, could give the Packers some looks that confused him. He just never found it. I well, and then... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your thought, Kyle. I can, it can wait. The Madden analogy also works because in Madden, I am constantly talking myself out of running the ball. <laughs> because I think to myself, all right, if I get stopped for two yards on second and eight, that's going to be a problem. And then if I get stopped again, it's third and nine. I might as well throw it because then I can maybe pick up. Worst case scenario, I can check down. And I think that was his logic all night long. I don't think he meant to abandon the run. He just kept thinking – Eh, what if I get stopped for a loss here? And, you know, I, I think he, he created more situations where they were behind the sticks trying to avoid that than if he'd just run the ball and accepted the two, three-yard game. Was it was it Olin Krutz on Twitter this week who pointed out, he, somebody showed clips of the Packers lining inside linebackers up just right before the snap on both sides of the center, waiting for Mitch to point to you know to call the mic, the mic and then immediately it. switch they did it and they did it over and over and over again and 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 theoretically that shouldn't matter because all you're doing with that is you're giving the lineman a landmark so they can figure out who they're supposed to block based on okay this is the middle of the defense but whenever they shifted it it really did seem and whoever it was i think it was either balding or olin it was somebody breaks down film and shows it they they had two or three examples then of bears linemen running out and not blocking anybody just running to yeah. a space like oh shit i thought there was supposed to be a guy here and it was they did it several times and yeah that's the case where that's the case where i'm, I'm i i know james daniel's natural position is center uh, right. But he's going to need to get up to speed quick because Whitehair, for all of his limitations as an actual center last year, did a much better job of calling the protections. Like I, I don't think I don't think there was a single game last year where they looked as embarrassed up front as they did. No, and, and none bad, of those. Bad, bad bad back, I, feel, I mean, Kenny Clark had a great game, just pushing Daniels back, and and Kyle Long struggled. But there really weren't too many of those plays where I thought. There were just a lot of unblocked guys, which yes, are yeah. which are breakdowns and miscommunications. Yeah. So it it's one of those things where I guess it's encouraging almost because it's easier to fix that than you know having Jamarcus Webb at left tackle. Well, yeah, Jamarcus but... Webb name check. Excellent. <laughs> Everybody drink. But I, I, do you want me to go with Frank Omiel? So 
Gates. So, I mean, so there are Todd Berger. I mean, ideally, Daniels just figures it out because you'd, you'd like your center to be the one that calls that because it's a hell of a lot easier for everybody to know what's going on if the middle of the offensive line does it. But I'm sure part of the reason they moved Whitehair back to guard is that his snaps were so erratic last year. It really yeah. did cause them problems. Cool. But you it, you can have him actually still make the calls, the line calls. You, if if you trust Cody more than Daniel, sure. you can yeah. do it. It's not Why ideal, you? but mean, you can. It might not be conventional. And, and maybe I, in the middle of being run over by your <clears throat> biggest rival, you say, all right, for the rest of this fucking game, we're going to yeah. switch yeah. back. And then we'll worry about Denver next week. Whenever they talk about line calls, I'm always reminded, and, and I I criticize Dolan Roots a lot, uh, mostly because I've never actually met the man, and I <laughs> probably makes, a good thing. Um, but my the one of my favorite Dolan Roots moments though was when Kyle Orton was a rookie, and I remember in like the first game, I think it was against Washington that year. Kyle comes to the line, he starts calling out, pointing, and trying to point out blitzers or whatever, and Roots literally reaches around behind him. And Slaps Kyle's hand, <laughs> like yeah. just like shut the fuck up and let me do my job, and that really cracked me up. Well, if it was the Redskins, that would have been Orton's uh, first uh, NFL start. Um, yeah, I think it the was other, Washington. yeah, just to uh, just to tie a bow on the Olin Kreutz, uh discussion, um, kind of uh, kind of funny to see him uh, jump into Andy's mentions today. <laughs> did you see that? No, I did not. Oh yeah, right. you know, I, yeah, he. Uh, uh, he talked. It was during one of the. Um, it was during the. NFL it was Monday game. night because it was during the Saints um, Texans game, and um, Hayward had just hit a home run during the Cubs game, and the Saint and the Texans scored to take the lead. And he tweets out, "They scored too soon," and then I tweeted something back about, you know, "Hey, I know Kyle Hendricks is, yeah. uh, you know, usually pretty good in this right. park, so I think we'll be fine." And Olin seemed to think that was funny. My favorite yeah. thing about Olin last weekend was he's on the Comcast post game show now, and he wore his. Polynesian Football Hall of Fame induction jacket on the show. There, there is such a thing. <laughs> He's got a jacket, so maybe he had it made for himself. But yeah, I'm sure it's him and um, Christian Okoye. No, he's Nigerian. Never mind. He played he played in Hawaii in college. He was in the Pacific. It was Brendan Ian Badejo? Is he in there? A <laughs> hey, special teamer extraordinaire, my friend. Is uh, is Lenny uh, Kakua? What was his name? <laughs> Oh, Manti, yeah, Manti Deo's girlfriend, yeah, Junior, perhaps Junior Seau. She's in the Lene is in the imaginary wing of the Polynesian Football <laughs> Hall of Fame. No, I, Olin was it, Olin is the guy that I mean, for as much as I could not stand him by the time he left Chicago, and for as much of a red ass as he was when he's playing, he's actually a fairly level headed and I agree, he's sometimes good. insightful. He, commentator and the stuff that he yeah. the stuff that he actually points out about offensive line i mean i guess it, it's one of those things where i'm used to dan jiggets so like <laughs> actually learning something from an ex-offensive lineman is is a new Thank experience and i there i have learned things about pass protection for mullen Cruz, so i'll give him credit for that like no i was a big, good yeah i i, I was, was thinking, i was actually thinking that yeah. when i heard him uh lately this, this, i mean you know he does his homework he's got enthusiasm he he doesn't just phone it in. Uh, he's, you know, he's a he's a football geek apparently. Well, I always I always liked him as a player, except he was good for one completely senseless penalty, <laughs> a personal foul every game, or an illegal snap. He was okay. big on the illegal snap, which I had to learn what the rule was because Olin was going to do it four times a year, and usually at the well, worst about, possible time. After about two thousand six, he stopped being able to block anyone that weighed over three hundred pounds, which was a real problem when Green Bay got BJ Rodgers. Yeah. yeah, that he he just ate his lunch. But he would have occasionally swing out to the perimeter on a bowling play and just level out some hapless linebacker. So people pretended he was good long after he stopped. So I was really excited to see in the uh, in the Titans uh, in that last preseason game that Ronus Grassu. Was the backup? Whoa. Was the backup center for the Titans? I don't know wow. that he actually made the team, but Ronus was out there. Speaking of a guy who can't, he couldn't block anybody that weighed two hundred and fifty pounds or more. <laughs> There's just not a lot of strength there. So, uh, you know, for all of the, uh, I don't even, I don't, even, I'm without the words for that for. Thursday night's game other than the uh the Packers 
because it's Aaron Rodgers, people are kind of glossed over the fact that their offense, other than that one drive, uh-huh. was terrible. The Bears did the Bears did the same things to them that yeah. the Packers were doing to Mitch. Now, obviously, it's well, a big difference when one team actually so. mounts the t- touchdown drive and the other team can't. But uh, it's now. That's now twice in the last calendar year that the Bears have given Aaron Rodgers two of the worst nights of his professional career and have ensured that I can't derive any fucking joy from any of it. Yeah, uh, so I really appreciate that. But, you know, uh, another... Go ahead, Kyle. The interesting thing about the Packers and their performance, and I, you know, you got to give some of the credit to the Bears' defense, which, hey, I'll, if I can yeah. say so far, the regression did not occur. Um the Bears' defense, the one the one drive they had that they scored was Aaron Rodgers going no huddle. So, again, when, when it was – Bush, like you said. Well, and when they huddled and, and when LaFleur was clearly calling the plays, they, were, they just kept running the ball for no gain. And then it yeah. was, you know, you have Aaron Rodgers behind the stick and let the Bears' defense tee off on him on third down. Yeah. So the only time Rodgers haven't had any success was when he went no huddle and he was calling his own plays. So I don't think much has changed from the yeah. Mike McCarthy era there, clearly, because it seems like he's still in a situation where if he's going to do anything productive on offense, he has to say fuck it and yeah. do it himself. Yeah, you know, and a lot of that was he, you know, he after the after their first decent gain, he clearly saw that he had. I don't know if it was that he had Deion Bush on the field or whatever it was, but he did not. He did it because he did not want the Bears to substitute. He had he had the personnel yeah. on the field for the Bears that he wanted, and and even the touchdown pass. He it was that's a god awful pass. Back it's yeah. off his back foot. He floats it in the air, and Dion just couldn't get around Jimmy Graham to knock it down, and it ended up being a touchdown because that ball is yeah, thrown he, the whole time. It's in the air is somebody's going to intercept that, and it ends up a touchdown instead. Yeah, and that that was something I noticed with with uh, Pagano that was very different from Fangio is he seemed like he was more heavily rotating guys than Fangio ever did. And I mean, I guess, you know, that keeps guys fresh. I mean, their pass rush never diminished. I thought that was the difference between this year's opener and last year's opener is they kept yeah, the tight. same pressure on Rogers all night long, but it, you do run the risk there where Rogers might pick on a guy like he did. And so that's another case where I think Nagy, you know, instead of trying to keep your timeouts in your pocket there, just just call a fucking timeout yeah. on that drive. Yeah, especially, so, especially in the first half. Or Yeah, get, yeah. The, yeah, get the personal back in there because obviously Rodgers has identified a weakness and he's going to exploit it. Well, but the he's other thing look. you get with Matt Nagy, you get he's, he's off the Andy Reid tree, and Andy Reid coaches have no idea how to use timeouts. No. no. That is something yeah. they clearly never talk about, and they never learn anything from it. Time management, yeah. <laughs> you read the playoff games, you could put together a collage. It might last as long as Brett Favre's back-breaking interceptions in the playoffs. Um, you know, real quick, you know, Mitch Mitch is as poor of a game as everybody agrees that he had and as pessimistic as it's made some people. You know, he had a shot at redemption. And, you know, through that interception, which, of course, had to be picked off by Adrian Amos. Yeah, but... the first time he made a play at Soldier Field. <laughs> Um, and I wasn't even that mad about that because I want to say it was third down and they're going to have to go for a touchdown anyway. And they, they had two timeouts, I think, at the time. And sure enough, they got the ball back. And so he had one more drive. Now, granted, it was mitigated by like a 63-yard punt by, by that, that rookie punter by Green Bay. Um, but they still had one more possession. And it was I had flashbacks to last year's opener, which was a different game, obviously. It was, Totally different tempo. The Bears blew the lead, but the Bears had a chance at the end of that game. And last year, Mitch was in his first real season. And, you know, he looked scared and nervous, and it was three and out. And they, they, I think he got like a seven-yard uh, completion in the first one, and then uh, what? I, there was a penalty, and, then, and that was it. But then you go through the season, Mitch really seems to turn a corner, and then he actually does come back in, 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 in a playoff game. And if it wasn't for that, you know, for Parkey, then, you know, would have been a notch on his bedpost. So you're feeling pretty – so I'm a little bit more dispirited that, you know, at the even at the end of the game. I know he didn't have a good game and didn't look good. He just had a, a shot there, and it was just three and out, and then, I don't know, throwing out my hands. That's all I got. The interception actually really did piss me off. Uh, although I will say the fact that it was third and ten pissed me off too because, I mean – could Adam Shaheen be any more fucking useless? Oh, <laughs> drop that one right by the it's like, 
Well, then he just let it lay there, and he pointed at it. Like, I caught that. Well, if you did, then pick the fucking ball. Did you see Kyle Long have to slide in and grab the ball? It's like if you put Kellen Davis's hands on Greg Olson's body. He's everything that Greg Olson is except actually good at catching the ball. So, you know, that just leaves him as being a horrible blocker, but he passed. But anyways. On that, that play where he threw the interception, they did motion. It was one of the few plays where they did motion. Tariq splits out wide, and there's no one covering Tariq. So right then and there, Mitch knows he's got zone defense, which tells you you've got two deep safeties, which tells you that the corner route is the worst possible route Underneath. you can run. Yeah. And the thing that upsets me is even if Adrian Amos didn't exist, that ball is not a touchdown because the, the corner had it played perfectly. He was underneath Robinson. The entire time. There's no world where that was an interception, but he had a slant route to Tariq right there, who was uncovered at the line of scrimmage. And with Tariq's ability to make moves, he could have picked, he could probably could have walked into the end zone right there. Well, and even so, if he doesn't, it's it's third and ten. You're in four yeah. down territory. So yeah, even yeah, if you only get even if you only get six or seven yards, you've got yeah. another play. You don't have to just say, Well, fuck it, I hope somebody catches this and lob it into the yeah. back corner of the end zone. So that right there, the disappointed me is that was it was extremely uh, easy, like the most basic fucking read you can make to determine whether a defense is in man or zone, and he just missed it entirely. Like before that ball is snapped, a a freshman quarterback in high school should have been able to tell you, yeah, I've got zone defense because there's no one covering my slot receiver at the line of scrimmage, and and Mitch missed it. Uh, yeah, so 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 just a bad game or a troubling trend. I think, well, for, for Mitch, I think it's a troubling trend because yeah, that's what I'm afraid the of. Things that, like, if it had been a bad game, and, and to me a bad game would have been, you know, he, he took some chances. To me a bad game would have been the bad kind of bad game that Jay would have, where it's like, yeah, Rex. you know, not, he, he, where he took some chances that just didn't work out, but I, but I could at least understand what he was trying to do. But when I see him again, Fail to fail to read a defense. Fail to recognize when he has a wide open receiver. Yeah. Checking checking down. That was one of the knocks I heard. It was kind of. Yeah, I don't know where I heard it from. I hope it wasn't his teammates, but a little bit. You know, the, the keen observation, just that kind of locking in on the on the first on the first check. Is that accurate? Because it yeah, seemed, yeah, it seemed was, like he was he not. Was, yeah, I don't think he made a second read all night long. No, he, and uh, he really seemed to think he. he he should have just told everybody. They should mic him up. <laughs> and when he comes out of the huddle, it's like, all right, are you are you going to throw the ball to Allen Robinson or Tariq Cohen? <laughs> which which one are you throwing that. it to on this play? Because well, that seemed go- it seemed very much predetermined. Like, all right, well, I, I I can squeeze it in there. That's why I want to throw it to. Well, and going going to Tariq Cohen for a second, they played him for eighty percent of his snaps at slot receiver. Yep. Tariq Cohen is not a thought receiver. He is a good receiver for a running back. Yep. He is a guy that you run option routes with. He's a guy that you, you do everything you can to get him matched up against the safety or the linebacker, and then you throw it to him. He's not a guy that you ask to run the entire route tree, and he's not a guy that you have matched up against the fucking nickel all night. Yeah, you, and think, you, take his, you take his advantage away. When you allow yeah. a like athlete to cover him, it's just it's stupid. Yeah. Plus, when you do that, even if he really, even if he did have more traditional wide receiver skills, if you do that, you're now playing two of your three wide receivers on the field who are five eight or under. I mean, this yeah. isn't the fucking Smurfs. These aren't the Redskins from the eighties. Uh, this makes no sense. But yeah, if and then where the fuck was Anthony Miller? I mean, are they lying to us about the whole? Oh, he's uh, he's healthy. Don't worry, he's healthy thing. Zero or catches. How many, was he even targeted? Once. I mean, I, I late in the game. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, Again, that's where there's a guy you traded up to get in the second round last year. So, and he, he's the reason you don't have a set, you didn't have a second round pick this year. So, I mean, if it's year two and you're not even comfortable using him as your primary number three receiver in this game, you'd rather use a running back in that spot. That's pretty fucking disconcerting. Yeah. So, very disconcerting. Was he hurt in, in, uh, in training camp? Yeah, he, he he twisted his ankle or something. It wasn't. They kept saying it's not serious, yeah. but then 
at this Mike point, Curry gave some bullshit answer about him not being up to speed. So it's like, well, is he or isn't he? Because last week he said he was. Well, so. and that was and Hub. Then I just love Hub's Twitter feed because it's 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 so dumb. He took the he took that not up to speed quote and wondered if that meant Anthony doesn't know the plays. Oh jeez! But this is a guy, it's like Hub. He played all fucking last year. He seemed to know right. what he was doing. I don't think that's it. Yeah, he had a good, he had a good year. He's a rookie. But I'll tell you what: if I'm Trey Burton's agent, I'm going in and I'm demanding a raise because clearly this offense doesn't work without whatever yeah. magic voodoo Trey Burton brings to the field. Because <sighs> we've seen the last the last two games without him, and they can't seem to do anything. I I know well, it's it a, I know it's a coincidence, but if I'm the agent, I'm making the case before I let him back out on the field. Well, and I mean, it really does. It really does limit them as an offense because the 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 most commonly used formation they had in that game didn't even have a tight end. Like they they went into that game and they made the decision that it was better to not have Adam Shaheen on the field at all. Yeah. Um, Wait, I'm sorry. We're talking about the playoff game or, or the the recent game? No, it's game. In the yeah, Packers right. game, their most common formation that they used had two running backs rather than. Than any right, receiver, right, right, three right. wide receivers, two running backs, rather than three wide receivers, a, a tight end, and a running back. And so, when you're doing that, also, you're you're taking away a blocker for running plays. So you're you're really you're literally limiting the playbook when you're not using a tight end at all. But that shows how low the faith is in Shaheen, which is fine. It's not like George Kittle was in that fucking draft or anything. So, well, the good news for the Bears is. They get a nice soft landing in week two. Mitch gets to go uh, out to Denver, and oh my God, he's got to face Vic Fangio. Sure. And th- this could be really. I know the Broncos did not look good at all in the weird second. Well, hey, did you guys remember? There's another Monday yeah, Night Football game after this Monday Night weird, Football game. Right. There's those have those two Monday Night games to start the season. But it they couldn't be they couldn't they couldn't pick a worse game to try to rebound off this showing than have the guy yeah. who worked against them all last year and yeah. one of the best defensive players you know in football. And, and I've always, of course, I know the Bears lost too. I've, I've always been of the meatball opinion, and I, I cling to it to this day, that in football especially, you, you, you want to face a team coming off a win because they're not going to be as hungry. And I don't know how the hell the Broncos couldn't beat the completely in disarray Raiders, which we spent on the inaugural podcast taking a good five minutes per person just, just – you know, taking a beating on John Gruden, which was justified, and Gruden himself outdid himself because subsequent to that podcast, um, he dealt Brown. When I know that the dynamic of that has sort of changed too, because Brown's proven to be such a shitbag, so maybe Oakland's better off. But you know, things actually got worse for Oakland, and then they, t- they turn around and knock off the Broncos, who are probably going to be pretty pissed off coming in a week. So they have shorter rest. Bears have ten days, but. We'll see. Fangio. Fangio. Fighting Fangios. Yes, he did not have a first-half answer for the great Derek Carr, who, oh. who could not okay. miss. So. Carr's not horrible, though, is he, when he's healthy? Help me out, Kyle. Am I off? He almost got uh, in the playoffs three years ago. There was a version of him that was really good, I think, at since this point. At this point, yeah, since the injury and since the, the Raiders got rid of what had been a very good offensive line. Yeah and replaced them with a bunch of has-beens and brought in Tom Cable, the single worst offensive line coach in football. God, Tom Cable still got a job in the league. <laughs> My God. Yeah, wasn't he, he a head coach? Wasn't he a Raiders head coach? Yes, he was. Was it the Raiders? That was his yeah. turn. Al was giving was everybody it, a turn there what, for a while. Wasn't he insane, like more insane than your your standard coach, too? Or am I missing oh, yeah. confusing no, with Shiano? Yeah, he's got some – he's punched out some assistants, and, and I that's believe what, there's – That's it? <laughs> There, yeah, he's a real asshole. And the Seahawks immediately, immediately, the Seahawks went from one of the league's worst offensive lines to one of the best last year. The minute he left, wow. So he's yeah. kind of like Mike Tice in that. Apparently, in order to be known as a good offensive line coach, you never actually have to produce an offensive line sure. yeah. any good. You just have to be a big enough fucking meathead that people right. look at him and go, yeah, "That's what an offensive line right. coach should be." You just you just need to have a canned ham for a neck. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, the, I don't know. I don't. I don't have a lot of faith in the Bears' offense in this game, but the I do think they they can probably win this one against Denver just because uh, that big pick six 
that Aaron Rodgers was never going to give yep. to them, I'm pretty sure Joe Flacco will. Yep, yeah, that should be the that should be the prop. More touchdown passes to Bears players, Joe Flacco or Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, I um, Flacco hasn't been good. I mean, and even his his good was a very. I mean, it was like brief one hair's breadth above average when he was at his peak, and he hasn't been that guy for five years now. So when when Denver traded Case Keenum trade him away to bring in Flacco. I, I compared it last or the other night to it, it's like you traded a, a 1999 Toyota Corolla for another 1999 <laughs> Corolla. But this is a really good deal. You know, it's like, I like this broken down car, but could I pay a lot more for it? <laughs> so I, he, Joe, Joe Flacco has literally averaged under 10 yards per completion wow. since Mark Tressman got his hands on him in 2015. I mean, it's, it's, I've never seen a guy who checked down more. He makes Shane Matthews look prolific these last couple of years. And that's for a guy that, that was renowned for having a very strong arm. Yeah, that was his, he did. You know, that was, the, that was the asset that he gave to the Ravens offense when, when they were productive was yeah. the, the, the only year ball. that Joe Flacco the only year that Joe Flacco has been unquestionably good was the one year that Gary Kubiak was his offensive coordinator, and then he immediately got the Texans job after that. Or I think was, he went back. Was that not the year they won the Super Bowl in 2012, or was it another year? No, it was a no. The year they won the Super Bowl, uh, they fired, I think Cam Cameron, middle of the year, and they they promoted uh, Jim Caldwell. Oh. Um, that's and then right. Colbert was actually the offensive coordinator for the whole year, the year after they won the Super Bowl. And that, weirdly enough, was Flacco's worst ever year. Okay. Um, but then they brought in Kubiak, and he had Kubiak and, and Flacco had one really good year together, and Kubiak went and took the Broncos job. So, um, which he's no longer yeah. there. But but Kubiak does the same thing, kind of that uh, that Mike Shanahan always did. You know, everything's. Play action, bootlegs, yep. you know, stretch, stretch the field vertically, which is which suits what Flacco did. And then Tressman came along and and kind of like the same thing he tried to do with Jay. He he tried to just turn him into Josh McCown. Um, you know, short passes, try to get everything yak, no risky throws. But with a guy like Flacco and with a guy like Jay, that doesn't really work because all that does is is it negates their one strength, which is making plays downfield. But you're still going to get interceptions, like the same number. The only difference is they're going to throw it to a guy who's ten yards away instead of thirty. Yeah, and who's so, all, and who already has a clear field to the end zone once he catches yeah. it. Yeah, so, at least the old Jay interceptions were in traffic, so he had a chance to right. run into the guy after he caught it. Yeah, I mean there, there's there's some value to the old arm punt. There really is, but yeah. So I, I do think this defense will will embarrass Flacco, and I do think he'll give them some turnovers, which Rodgers wouldn't. That's that's the main problem with that with that game on Thursday night. If the Bears were playing that game against any other quarterback in the NFL, I still think they probably win because yes. with the kind of pressure they were applying, they would have gotten that one defensive score that we're yeah. so used to getting. But no one is better than Rodgers at just not throwing that interception. He just won't. Yep. He only threw two last year. The, yeah, last, and the, the, the uh, last year I kind of got frustrated because people would people would praise yeah, him. He started getting for, criticized. Yeah, he had he had fucking fifty seven throwaways. Like yeah. that's the he, uh, two games I, yeah, I, I got time. <laughs> I have to share because in light of the bitterness of that last game, I have to go back to last December um, for for warmer feelings. I was in attendance. It was the only game I went to last year, and. And you almost knew it was going to happen. Uh, the Bears just kicked their ass, you recall, at the end of last season at Soldier Field. And and Rodgers had that streak, right? He, I think he'd only thrown one interception all year. And they had like a third – I wanted maybe a third and ten inside. This is going to be it. And I called it. It wasn't, wasn't really going out on a limb. Uh, but it took – it basically took a situation where the season was on the line, not just the series, not just the game, but the season – uh, for him to finally throw a damn interception, but yeah, you're right. Well, I, I mean, mean, 
if I remember correctly, that ball was still tipped. It yeah. wasn't even a yeah, straight it was, interception. It was, but yeah. They, they, yeah, they were sending in the dog. They, they were pressuring the hell out of them. You could feel it. It had the added benefit. And and it was a it was a it was a pyrrhic victory anyways because uh, Eddie Jackson got hurt. Yep. And Eddie Jackson, not absolutely being, right. Eddie Jackson not being in that playoff game was a big reason that those forty second floaters that Foles put up there managed to find receivers yeah. anyways. Well, great. Thanks for ruining my yeah. favorite moment. Yeah, way to go. Nice job, Mike. Your favorite <laughs> moment of the season killed the Bears' season. Yeah. The irony. God, being a fan can be so hard of this team. All right. So um, I suppose we can start to wrap this up. Our uh, our friends in the desert, as Brent would say, have installed the Bears as two-and-a-half-point favorites. So On the road, coming off that game at home, well, I'm sure it's for most of the reasons we just talked about. The Bears, well, the defense right. travels, and Joe Flacco is there to yeah. try to hand, hand the, things the one, away. Right, and they're facing a team that had a, just a horrible loss to a team that had no business, it would appear, winning, I would think. But, okay, two and a half on the road at Denver. We got to make a call on that? Because yep. I don't want to, after drinking Kool-Aid like till I was about to pass out last time, I... I almost feel like a 180. Well, we um, could start with an easier one, and that is the over-under, 40 and a half. I'll go under. I would go under. Yeah, i got to go under. I can't yeah, see well. the offense turning it around. Remember, unless, it's, it's, unless, unless the defense goes so off that they rack up about 20, you know, 28 of that. I well, it would, be, it would take both defenses, and that, it's, it's a possibility. It takes both defenses scoring touchdowns to get that game over 40, and it's that's a thing that could happen, but I would say under. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Bears 17, Broncos 9, but, but 7 of that 17 is going to be a defensive touchdown. I think David Montgomery gets a rushing touchdown, and that's it. Okay. On one of his well, – let's say – Let's be optimistic. On one of his eight touches this week instead of six. Yeah, six. Well, they had 15 runs all day with 45 passes. Seems a little out of whack, too. Yeah. In a 10-3 to three game. So, I'm the same. I will go under, and I will take I will take the Bears uh, t- to win by at least three points. Yeah, so. the Bears, yeah, as bad as last week was. You can't tell me the Bears suck. Uh, and I still have faith in Nagy. It was a tough game. I still like him. I don't think. I think you know. Yeah, my he has his flaws like everyone else. But my frustration he, with it wasn't that the that the Bears are bad. It's that we needed Mitch to, at the very least, show Mitch that he was that he was where he was before he got hurt last year when he really seemed to be getting things and yeah. And it it just you the it wasn't well, it wasn't the throws. It was he. You could tell watching on TV he wasn't seeing things. And he, well, this the offense won't work against good teams if he can't see what they're, what he's got to get, and that means that they're a borderline playoff team. If that's the Mitch well, we get all Nagy, year, Nagy got scared when Mitch got hurt, and they threw they took more deep shots before Mitch got hurt than just about any other team in football, and they and Mitch kept the ball very often and those were two things that, that were very effective for them um and then after he came back in part and I, and I kept trying to write it off as this defense is very good they basically already clinched a playoff spot yeah. but they basically stopped throwing deep and they stopped letting mitch keep the ball when he came back from the injury and i just kept waiting for for Nagy to to undo that once they especially once they got into the playoff game against the eagles and he he still has not taken the leash off of him again when it comes to just taking off downfield and when it comes to you know th- you know throwing downfield. I'd really like to see them work in a couple more of those those option keepers, and I'd like to see them work in some more early shots downfield. Re- yeah, uh, re- refresh my memory. How did he get hurt again last year? Against the Vikings on a scramble, Harrison Smith hit him late. I remember now. Well, yeah, that's right. right. Well, hey, I mean, it, was, it wasn't a dirty hit. It, it was a late hit. I wouldn't have called it dirty, but it was, you know, it was after. The- so, well, look at it this way: without that, we wouldn't have uh, been exposed to the Chase Daniel experience for two weeks. Yeah. Okay, silver lining, doubling Chase's career starts. 
or is that just appearances? Is he only they played, came so, is he only came played so, in four games or he started for something like that? Yeah, I mean, I think he's got an indentation on the inside of his fingers from the clipboard yeah. from just yeah. over the years digging into yeah, he it. He started four games because he started he started two series or season yeah, finales, season enders, right? And yeah. they and they damn and they damn near won both of those games last year. So I'm over it though. Stupid Giants. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, good job, guys. Uh, Thank you. Hopefully, when good we do this be. again next week, we'll actually have a win to talk about. Um, God, that'd be nice. Yeah, that'd not, be nice. It's going to get pretty ugly. I think. Uh, I honestly think. And Dan Weederer was just tweeting this. It sounds like if Mitch doesn't write the ship this week, he's going to start to to lose the faith of his teammates. So it's going to get ugly if they don't do something. This teammates. Week. Now that's now that gets my attention because of course you expect the. Hey, what about that Chase Daniels? guy you know <laughs> yeah well he said it's that's, he said it's it, default it voices inside Hallis hall so we'll yeah. have to see if it's coaching staff or players but yeah you yeah, can't lo- you can't lose your teammates i, I still have a memory i had as much of a of a shitbird as Cade mcnown was i knew it was, he was done in that san francisco game which turned out to be the game where uh uh was it um terrell owens caught about 29 passes oh, yeah. it's supposed to be you're supposed to be yeah. jerry rice's yep. last game in Candlestick Park. I don't think the Bears crossed midfield the entire game, but it, but more tellingly and anecdotally was McNown got dropped on his ass after getting rid of a pass, and, and uh, James Big Cat Williams and the other lineman didn't even offer to uh, pick him up from the ground. <laughs> yeah, that's always a good sign. <laughs> if, if it's if it's voices within Hallis Hall that he that he might start to lose, it could very well be Virginia. That's Let's it. Get ever down there giving him the big MF treatment and chewing <laughs> no, poor they, Mitchie out. You know, yeah, I've, been, I've seen 96 years of Bears football, young man, yeah, and I've I seen some awfully Sid shitty Luckman. quarterbacks, and Listen, you're one of them. I saw, I saw Sid Luckman win four times in six years. <laughs> you couldn't you hold, know, you couldn't hold Sid Luckman's bloomers. <laughs> when she was talking before the game last week, I, I looked at my wife and I was like, I, to be honest with you, I didn't know she could still talk. My whole life, I kind of just assumed they just like wheeled her out to wave, and I had no idea she even knew what was still no. going on. That's the first time I think I've ever heard her yeah, speak. Yes, no, it's impressive. She's like ninety-seven. It's not. She was, I, I believe, she was a toddler on the train when you know Hallis had twenty-one-year-old Red Grange barnstorming across the country. I mean, it, it is kind of insane and cool in some respect. If I wasn't so fed up with the entire family that she created. Um, but I mean, yeah, she's ninety-seven. She's there. I mean, yeah, they wheel her around at that age, and what she's been through, I, I gotta, you know, at some point, tip my hat to her. So, uh, you know, <laughs> the old badge, <laughs> old badge. All right. Well, the, way, the, way, the way last week's podcast go, went and the resulting game, what this means is we're going to wake up tomorrow and find out that Mike killed Virginia. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have that. There's, if it happens, I'll own it. There's blood on your hands, Donahue. <laughs> All right. See you guys next week. All right, guys. Go.